Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. Um, this is uh, this is pretty exciting. Um, hey, Debbie Ortego, who used to be on staff, and her family are visiting us from New Orleans. So fun to see you guys here. Welcome back. So glad to hear you're all moving back here immediately. It's great. Can't wait. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, say amen. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is this not like the best news you've ever heard in the whole world? For those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation, like none, like zero, like not, not even a tiny bit or a little bit or sometimes just none, zero for those who are in Christ Jesus. So good. Romans 8 is filled with talk about the Spirit. The Apostle Paul refers to the Holy Spirit more than 20 times in Romans chapter 8. And in verse 2, the Apostle Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of life. Love that. The Spirit of life. In some other places in Romans 8, he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. And in verse 2 of chapter 8, Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of life. A life in the Spirit is what I'm calling this sermon series as we consider what life in the Spirit looks like. What does it look like? What does it feel like to live life in the Spirit? In other words, how have you seen the Holy Spirit at work in your life? What have you seen the Holy Spirit up to in your life? And my hope in this sermon series is that our eyes of faith would be open wider and that our ears of faith would be open wider so that we can see more clearly the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the world around us so that we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the world around us. Life in the Spirit. It is life in the Spirit of life. It is life in the Spirit of the fullness of life. In Greek, there are are two words for life. Uh, One Greek word for life is bios. Bios, and you know, that's what we get the word biology from. Um, Dean uh, already mentioned um, Susan Edwards. We got to honor her in the last service. And, and uh, maybe y- what you don't know about Susan is she's a biologist. I forget what she specializes in. That's a broad category. But she specializes in the study of life. It's from the Greek word bios. Bios is the life your mom and dad gave you. Bios is the life you have if you're not dead. Okay, there's another word in Greek for life, and it's the word zoe. 
Uh, Britt and Cole aren't here. They're out of town visiting family. Uh, but Britt and Cole have a little dog named Zoe. I've known some girls named and some women named Zoe. It's such a good name because it's the Greek word for life. The Greek word for life. Bios is the life that your mom and dad gave you. Zoe is the life that Jesus Christ gives you. It's the kind of life that Jesus was talking about when he says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the evil one, I, I gotta say this right here, the thief, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I came, says Jesus, that they may have life, zoe, and life to the fullest. It's life to the fullest, life abundant. It's life in and according to the Holy Spirit. That's the life the Apostle Paul announces when in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 he says friends there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus in other words you have been invited into Zoe life life abundant life in the spirit my preaching professor from Regent College, his name was Daryl Johnson. I quote him often, and I will be quoting him several times today. He was a Presbyterian pastor for over 30 years. He served in places like Los Angeles, you know, so he can relate to us. He served in places like Los Angeles and Sacramento. He served a number of years in Manila, then later in Vancouver, where Krista and I had the privilege of meeting him. And he says this, listen, this is great. He says, we have been brought into a qualitatively different kind of life. He's talking about Zoe life. And we are now called to live this qualitatively different kind of life in a qualitatively different kind of way. It's a different kind of life which we are invited to live in a different kind of way. And so let's pray as we listen to God speak through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. Pray with me, would you? Gracious, living, and present God, we believe that you speak. We believe that you have spoken most authoritatively through your scriptures. That what you spoke speaks to who you spoke, who is Jesus. And we believe that you continue to speak, and so we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would invite us further in and farther up into your heart, into this life in the Spirit. Speak to us in a way that encourages us along the way, that encourages us along this pathway of this life you invite us into. For we pray it, confidently because we pray it in jesus name amen uh, tons of talk of the holy spirit in romans chapter 8 there's also a bunch of talk about the flesh did you notice that the flesh that word the flesh is repeated over and over again maybe the bible translation that you read um, uses the phrase or the term a sinful nature that's right because that's what the flesh refers to here so these two words, spirit and flesh, are repeated over and over again in Romans chapter 8, and they're juxtaposed. They're, they're, um, they're compared or contrasted to one another because they represent two fundamentally different lives. 
Life in the spirit, life in the flesh. They represent two diametrically different modes of being. Life according to the flesh and life according to the spirit. It's a different way of living. And they also result in two very different destinations. Right? Life in the flesh leads from death to death. And life in the spirit leads to life and peace. The Apostle Paul tells us, and peace, in case... You know, in case you wanted a few more adjectives to describe what this life is like, the Apostle Paul says the Spirit leads us into life and peace. In Christ, we have been transferred from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son, whom He loves. We have been transferred from one to another. Listen to how Paul puts it in Colossians 1 verse 3 says for god has rescued us from a kingdom of darkness and transferred us into a kingdom of his dear son it's like we've been transferred from one location to another it's like the difference between living in southern california and northern california we've been transferred from one to another and you can decide which you think is the kingdom of darkness and which you think is the kingdom of his dear son but i will tell you as someone who has lived in both Northern California and Southern California, I can tell you what Southern Californians will say, and I can also tell you what Northern Californians will say, but thanks be to God, he has torn down the wall of hostility that once existed between us, right? Amen. That's a different sermon. But it's like we've been transferred from one location to another. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, whom he loves. You know, there are also two modes in which we can live in these two spheres because, you know, we once lived in the kingdom of darkness. In Christ, we have been transferred into the kingdom of his son. There's also two modes in which we can live in these spheres. And these two modes are represented by a couple prepositions in and according to. Right? We can live in the flesh, over here in the kingdom of darkness, according to the flesh. Or we can live over here in the kingdom of God's Son, that's life in the Spirit, according to the Spirit. Now, think about uh, Northern California and Southern California again. So, the differences are, are a lot more than geography. Right? The differences are pretty significantly cultural. Right? Living in Northern California is obviously geographically different, but it's also culturally different than living in Southern California. And what the Apostle Paul is saying in this text is that there is a cultural difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of his Son, between life in and according to the flesh and life in and according to the Spirit. We can live in NorCal or we can live in SoCal. We can live in accordance to Northern California culture, or we can live in accordance to Southern California culture. It's like those are the choices before us. You know, the thing with life in the flesh is it's only possible to live in accordance with the flesh when you live in the flesh. But in Christ, when you have been transferred into the kingdom of his son whom he loves, you now live 
in the Spirit. But the thing about in the Spirit is you can live in this location and you can live in accordance with the flesh or in accordance with the Spirit. Either one. See, if you live in the flesh, you cannot live in accordance with the Spirit. But if you live in the Spirit, you can live in accordance with the flesh or in accordance with the Spirit. Which is why I suspect that some of you find that life in the Spirit is less than fulfilling. See, I believe in Jesus. I believe that there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ. I've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his Son. But I wonder if some of us find life here in the Spirit less fulfilling because we're still trying to live in the Spirit according to the flesh. We're still trying to live in accordance with the old culture. We have moved, sorry Northern Californians, we have moved from Northern, I'm married to one, so we have moved from Northern California to Southern California, but it's, we're living as if we still live in Northern California. And in order to flourish in Southern California, you've got to start living in accordance with Southern California culture. You've got to wear flip-flops to the beach. And you've got to take them off when you get to the sand. Right? You can always tell who the out-of-towners are, right? They're the people with tennis shoes on the beach, right? unless you're running. Let me tell you, the people who are out-of-towners in Northern California and San Francisco are the people in San Francisco in August in shorts and a t-shirt. They are not from San Francisco because they're freezing, right? <laughs> they think, oh, I'm going to California. It's August. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's San Francisco. It's foggy and frigid, right? So when you live in San Francisco, you got to live in accordance with, you got to put a hoodie on. You got to wear pants, not shorts. It's freezing. I wonder if some of us live in the spirit because we believe in Jesus. We've put our faith in him and we we are in this new location, but we find this life a little bit less than fulfilling because we're still trying to live in accordance with the old culture. But the Holy Spirit invites, and transforms, and leads us to live in accordance with the Holy Spirit. You know, people who live overseas understand this very well. At least people who live overseas well understand this very well. I was thinking about some of our mission partners, Peter and Wendy Thompson. Some of you know them. They live in Japan. They've served there for many years as missionaries, and we have the privilege of working with them and supporting them. And Peter and Wendy Thompson understand that they must learn to live in accordance with Japanese culture if they are going to flourish in Japan. Certainly, if they are going to influence people for Christ, they've got to learn to live in accordance with Japanese culture. Krista and I lived in Vancouver, B.C. for a number of years, and it's hardly overseas, but it is a different culture, actually. And one of the cultural differences is actually um, precipitated by, <laughs> by weather. It rains a lot in Vancouver. A lot. A dreadful lot. For days and weeks and months on end, it rains. And one of the things that Krista and I observed and learned, both of us worked downtown Vancouver for a season, Krista much longer uh, than me, but one of the things that we observed was when the sun comes out in February, you are to immediately stop what you're doing in your office, whatever it is that you were doing inside, you are to stop doing it and you are to go outside. 
because the sun is out and it will probably not be out for another 73 days. So get outside. And so we would see people outside on park benches and on the steps of museums uh, on sunny days in February. Because if you're going to flourish in Vancouver, you better go outside when it doesn't rain. We lived for a number of years in western Washington and same climate, super wet. And we learned to live in accordance with that culture. Like, you've got to learn how to play in the rain. Because if you don't, there's not going to be any playing. Right? Just go run. Just go ride your bike. Just go be outside even if it's raining. You know? I mean, here, rightfully so, if it's raining, everyone stays inside. Because don't worry, this is only going to last for a few minutes. This is only one of the two and a half days it's going to rain this year anyway. So just, just go tomorrow. Go out tomorrow. You can't do that in western Washington because you'll never end up going outside. See, you've got to learn to live in accordance with the culture of the place you live. And in Christ, we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son, into this life in the spirit, into this Zoe life. And we must learn how to live in accordance with life in the spirit. How do you do that? Well, first of all, let's Let's characterize a little bit, the best we can, some of the differences between life in the flesh and, uh, and life in the spirit. By the way, I don't mean anything against the rhythm section over here as uh, life in the flesh. Uh, but life in the flesh and life in the spirit, how are they different? First of all, life in the flesh. A couple of characteristics, four actually, that describe life in the flesh. First of all, it is life in the body. It is embodied life. It is life in a physical human body with flesh and bones. That probably seems obvious, but I'm saying that for a reason. It'll become clear in a second. Secondly, life in the flesh is life centered in the ego. It's all about me. Right? Really, it's just all about me. Life in the flesh is self-referential. In other words, we think when we live in the flesh that all the world revolves around me or all the world revolves around you if you are living life in the flesh. Life in the flesh treats other people this way. How can you meet my needs? How can you be of a benefit to me because life and the universe revolves around me? Romans 8 verse 7 says uh, that life in the flesh is hostile towards God. And this is because when we live in the flesh, we are at the center of the universe. And then God comes along and is like, yo, you're in my seat. I'm at the center of the universe, says God. I am the one who is to be at the center of the universe. And when you live in the flesh, you think that you are supposed to be at the center of the universe. And so there's hostility there. Life in the flesh is life centered in the ego. Thirdly, life in the flesh is a life that is, you guessed it, self-oriented, self-governed, self-sustained, and self-empowered. There's a lot of self in life in the flesh. Fourthly, life in the flesh is a life whose goal is to build up one's own glory, to build up one's own kingdom, to build up one's own self. Do you know this Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way? Theme song for life in the flesh. I did it my way. Nothing against Frank Sinatra. And you know, life in the flesh can wear religious clothes. I know I'm a pastor. I don't just go to Bible studies, I lead them. I don't just listen to sermons, I preach them. I don't just go on mission trips, I organize them. Life in the flesh can wear religious clothes. And the reason is because 
when, we are, when we've been transferred into the kingdom of his son, the reality of the kingdom of darkness, the reality of life in the flesh still exists. And I can say personally, I experience the gravitational pull back into life according to the flesh, life in accordance with the kingdom of darkness. The gravitational pull is there, always wanting me to go back there. What about life in the Spirit? Life in the Spirit, let's characterize it in four ways, just like we characterize life in the flesh. First of all, life in the Spirit is life in the body. Life in the Spirit is also embodied because there is no other life. There is no other being human outside of our bodies. To be human is to be enfleshed, embodied. And sometimes we get mixed up with that word flesh that the Apostle Paul uses. He uses that word flesh to refer to our sinful human nature, but sometimes we, we read that and we get uh, confused and some have been misled to think, well, that, that's actually referring to my skin and bones, like my body. And, and my body is the problem, but that's not, that's not true. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. There's nothing inherently wrong or evil, evil about our bodies. The problem is not our bodies. The problem is our sinful nature, which of course affects our bodies and everything else. So life in the Spirit is not to be uh, juxtaposed against life in a body because it's the only life we will ever know. Even our resurrection life is life in a resurrected body. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us all about that. Life in the Spirit is life in the body, which means, by the way, that life in the Spirit is not contrary to the things we enjoy in our bodies. Things like cycling and fish tacos and sand between our toes and carpentry and making love to our spouses and sewing. These things are not contrary to life in the Spirit because life in the Spirit is life in a body. But secondly, life in the Spirit is life centered around Christ. Remember, life in the flesh was life centered around me. It's all about me. It's self-referential. But life in the Spirit is life centered around Jesus. It's Jesus referential. So now the question about all of you doesn't become how can you benefit me, but how can you serve Christ? How can you serve Christ? All that we are and all that we do is in response to who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus is up to today. Life in the Spirit is centered around life, around Jesus Christ. Thirdly, life in the Spirit is life that is God-oriented, God-sustained, God-governed, and God-empowered. Notice that self has been replaced by God. Not that we mean less of you and more of God. I know sometimes we say that, right? And we mean, we mean well, but I'm not sure that God actually wants to erase you and replace you with himself. That's not it. God actually wants you to be the human being that he has created and redeemed you to be. He wants you to live fully alive in him. He wants you to live this Zoe life in the spirit. He wants you to be who he created you to be. And the way that we do that is by centering our life around Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. The way that we do that is we live a God-oriented, God-sustained, God-empowered life. Fourthly, life in the Spirit is a life whose goal is to lift up and to glorify and to worship and to build up the kingdom of God. 
Right? So life in the Spirit, as opposed to life in the flesh, is not about building up my reputation and my kingdom. Life in the Spirit is about building up the reputation of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Christ. So how do we do this? Oh my goodness. How do we do this? How do we, how do we uh, live in accordance with the Holy Spirit? What does that actually look like? Well, in short, the Apostle Paul says in verse 5 of our scripture today, the Apostle Paul says, use your mind. Use your mind. In some Christian circles, we're led to believe that in order to live life in the Spirit, we must check our minds at the door. We must check our brains at the door, but the Apostle Paul will have none of that. That perspective that we must check our minds at the door pits faith against reason. It pits thoughtfulness against faithfulness. It pits trusting against thinking, and the Apostle Paul will have none of that. Later in his letter to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul will say this. He'll say, be transformed by the renewal of your what? Your mind. And then here in verse 5 of chapter 8, he says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Use your minds. How do we do that? What does that look like? Let me give you a few pointers. You can take them or leave them. If they're helpful for you, great. If they're not, let's talk afterwards. First of all, never underestimate the deceitfulness of the flesh. This is the decision we have to make. This is an awareness that we have to have. We must be vigilant against the deceiver against the deceptive nature of our flesh. I talked about the gravitational pull, right? I, I, I live over here in the spirit. I've been transferred into the kingdom of his son, and yet the kingdom, or the gravitational pull of the kingdom of darkness, of, the, of life in the spirit is very strong. And I should never underestimate its power and its deceitfulness. This is about being aware. This is about choosing to not underestimate. Secondly, admit our inherent weakness. Also, a conscious choice to say, I am not able, under my own power and with my own strength, to withstand the gravitational pull of the flesh, to live faithfully in accordance with the Spirit in this life in the Spirit. I just can't do it on my own. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. This is the very first step in Celebrate Recovery's 12-step process. This is so good. Many of you know this. Here's the first step. We admitted that we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors and that our lives had become unmanageable. Isn't that good? We admitted that we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors. What is the most deeply embedded addiction and compulsive behavior that no one has been exempt from? The power of sin. The addictive and compulsive nature of sin. It's our flesh. It's our sin nature. And we must admit our inherent weakness. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. See if you can relate to this. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh, my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anybody relate? 
I want to do the right thing, but I don't. Admit our inherent weakness. Thirdly, consciously put yourself in places where God's Spirit will shape you. Consciously put yourself in contexts, in places where God's Spirit will shape you. This is using your mind to make decisions. So, for example, if you are trying to lower your blood pressure, to regularly go to Del Taco and scour the menu for low-salt options is probably not a great idea. You should probably go to Stater Brothers, right? And, uh, and maybe even go to the produce aisle. Maybe that would be the equivalent of putting yourself regularly in a place where God can shape you. I'm just using that as an illustration. You see what I mean? If your goal is to lower your blood pressure, put yourself in places where your blood pressure is more likely to decrease. If you're trying to rehab your shoulder, do the stretches and exercises that the PT has given you. Show up to your PT appointment. Regularly put your... Somebody didn't show up to their PT appointment. I'm talking directly to you. Just kidding. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but if you want your shoulder to get, to get well, right, intentionally put yourself in a place where healing, where God's Spirit can shape you. This is what the spiritual disciplines are. The spiritual disciplines are our activities that we do that consciously put us in places where God's Spirit can shape us. So, for example... Studying God's Word. Bible study. When we do this, when we go to this place, when we apply our minds to the Scriptures, here is an example of putting ourselves in a place where God's Spirit can shape us. Have any of you ever been shaped by studying the Bible? Or how about this? Praying in a life group. Praying with other brothers and sisters in a small community. This is consciously putting ourselves in a place where God can shape us. Has anyone ever been shaped in the context of prayer? Have you been praying and felt as though God was forming you, the Holy Spirit was shaping you, especially doing that in community, doing that with others? Here's another one. Seeking uh, help from habits and hang-ups and life's hurts at our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Friday nights. That would be a version of putting yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can shape you, or practicing solitude and silence. Practicing solitude and silence. That's a good place, a rare place these days, where God can shape you, where the Holy Spirit can form you. You know, the biggest barrier for me with solitude and silence is this thing. I actually, I, I am sort of like by myself, quite a bit. Krista and I don't have children, and so um, I end up being by myself like quite a bit. But I don't know if you can relate to this. Oftentimes, I'll be by myself, and I'm like, well, now what am I going to do? You know, see what's going on over here. What's happening here? What's going on in this app? What's going on in that app? app? You know, I'm, I'm all out of apps. There's got to be something else I could look at, right? Just something. I just, as long as I don't have to be alone and quiet. I think this is kind of like hurt me. Because silence and solitude are a couple of the places where God's Spirit can shape us. Here's another one, and it's the last one. Serving in the body of Christ is a place where the Holy Spirit 
can and will shape you. You just heard about our Connections Fair, and this is part of the heart behind that. We want to invite you into the places where God's Spirit can shape you. And we believe that one of those places is in the context of service. Last thing. How do we, how do we live in accordance with the Spirit? Consciously, consciously choose to trust the Holy Spirit. Consciously choose, use your mind, put your mind to it, to trust the Holy Spirit. This guy named Michael Green has written a bunch of books. He was an Anglican priest, British guy. He talks about learning to trust the Holy Spirit like learning to float, as opposed to learning to swim. This is what he writes. Learning to float is difficult because it demands not much skill, but it demands much letting go. Learning to float doesn't really take any skills as far as I'm aware of, but it's really difficult. It's hard to learn how to float. I think it's, it's more difficult to teach someone how to float than it is to teach them how to swim. Why is that? Maybe it's because when we're swimming, we're in control. We're doing something. We're helping ourselves. But learning to float is about releasing control and about trusting. About trusting the buoyancy of the water. Now, I said this earlier this morning to the first service. This illustration might not work for you. If you are like a bodybuilder and you're like 2.5% body fat, you're just going to sink. So this illustration doesn't really work for you. But for the rest of us, this illustration works. Right, just relax. And let the buoyancy of the water hold you up. Just relax. And let the Holy Spirit hold you up. Stop trying so hard. Choose to trust the Holy Spirit. As I close this morning, I want to lead you in a time of prayer where I'm going to invite you to float for a bit. So I'll invite the music team to come forward, and I'll invite the rest of us to pray together with me. So just imagine. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are uh, on your back, on the surface of the water, and you're floating. And for some of you, this is scary, actually. I want you just to trust God in this moment and to relax your neck and relax your torso, relax your arms, relax your legs. And allow the buoyancy of the water to hold you up. Use your mind to choose to not do what is intuitive. What is intuitive is to start treading water, to, um, to, to hold your head up above the water. But, but when we do that, it turns out we end up sinking. So just relax. Counterintuitive. Just trust the Holy Spirit. The work that we are invited to do is to choose to trust. 
to trust the work of the Spirit. Are you floating? Holy Spirit, we trust you. We trust you to hold us, to shape us, to be present with us. Keep holding us. Keep floating. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpcbhb.com.